a person that's having some problems, and they asked me to meet, not to mention name, but just to pray for them, so don't forget that, please. There's any others we need to add to this. God's being good to us, amen? He really is. Let's pray and ask God to bless tonight. Heavenly Father, as we meet tonight, we never take these names that's on this prayer sheet uh, for granted. We pray for them as you bring them to our mind every day. And I ask you, dear God, that you look over their bodies, take care of them. As every situation you, we can think of is on this prayer sheet tonight, of people's problems and illnesses. But you're the great physician, and you can take care of all of them. All you have to do is speak the word or touch their bodies. We ask you to do so. Have mercy and grace. Father, we pray here tonight now as we study thy word. Would you let the Holy Spirit speak to us, give us the comfort that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to Corinthians. First of all, I want to start there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, this is known, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is known as the love chapter. It has to do with charity, which is love. And uh, But I want you to listen to the, all of it, and especially verse 9 and verse 12. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doeth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but... When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now by faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Father, we ask you now to bless the reading and studying with thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was thinking about, uh, I, for some reason last night I just couldn't sleep. And I lay there for a long time thinking about uh, the people over around where we bought in, in Lake Wales a piece of property. And I counted 18 people 
that we got close acquainted with, that uh, most of them, I, I, that we got personally lead to the Lord, but 18 of them has died since we moved over there. And I've had several of them's funerals. And uh, they're just their faces and minds come to me as I lay there thinking about them last night and the time that we'd had together. And uh, most of them uh, we're going to see in heaven. Uh, one especially, she was 96 years old, and she'd come walking around there to our place, and she like to scare me to death. One day I was working on a, on a little wall I was working there on, and she slipped up behind me, Hey, preacher! And I almost hit her with a shovel. Because <laughs> she scared me to death. But uh, bless her heart, we sat on the porch and talked about the Lord a great deal, but now she's in heaven. And I think uh, these people that we knew, a lot of people, I, I could just sit and name people that one right after the other that's going to be the Lord since we've pastored. And I've had the opportunity to preach their funerals or be with them when they died and so on. And the question is always comes to me as we as, as we funerals and people die, will I know them as I know them down here? Now, Notice verse 9, first of all. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. That means right now we don't know everything. Amen? We only know what God, with our little finite minds, what God will allow us to know down here. But, look at verse 12. But now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now, here's the, here's the truth, and I'll, I'll get to all of it in a minute, but I want to show you something. Paul makes it very plain here in verse 12. He implies that we'll know one another in heaven. Now, Paul is comparing the present with the future and reminds us that in this life our knowledge is limited. But when we enter heaven, those limitations will be removed. In other words, if we know each other here, then we'll surely know each other better in heaven than we know down here. Because right now we only know in part. But one day, face to face, we'll know uh, with a, a pure mind. So that tells us that we will know one another in heaven. The second portion of Scripture that I want to give you is found in Luke chapter 16. Now, everybody knows the story of the rich man and poor man that died and so on. But I want to read just a few verses of this just to show you the truth that's taught here. There was a rich man, verse 19, uh, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate for the sword and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, more with the dogs came and licked his sore. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send lather that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, 
Remember that thou in thy lifetime receives thy good things, and likewise latter's evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gut fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, now here's what I want you to see. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham says to him, Thou have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, for if one went into them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses, and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now notice, he knew who Abraham was after he was dead. He knew Moses, who he was, after he was dead. And so this implies and confirms the story of the rich man and Lazarus here, is that lifts the veil of life after death, and three personalities are mentioned here. The rich man... Ladders and Abraham. And they recognize each other, especially verse 23. Notice verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Ladders in his bosom. Who told him that it was Abraham and Ladders that he saw? He recognized them. Amen? Now that tells us then that we're going to recognize our loved ones after this life. Let me show you another one. Luke chapter 9. Back up now. Luke chapter 9. And I want to read verse 28. Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. And it came to pass about an eighth day after these things, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which was Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. Now what I want you to see is, this is the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took these three men with him up there on top of that mountain, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah appeared unto them, and nobody, you can't find in this portion of Scripture, I can't find any place here that God told them or Jesus told them who these men were. But they recognized them. Jesus told Peter, James, and John, he took with him. And where was Jesus, trans, where he was transfigured? And then Moses and Elijah appeared, and immediately Peter, James, and John recognized them. Moses had been dead now some 1,500 years. Elijah had been dead 900 years. Now, and no mention of Jesus introducing these to these people. 
When we get to heaven, then we'll know everybody's there. The fourth proof, the nature of heaven itself requires it. Now, heaven is revealed in the New Testament as a social place. And we are social creatures. Now, seven things here. Let me give you some. Did you know it's not natural to want to be by yourself? You, you show me somebody that always wants to be by themselves. That's not natural. We are a social people. We have families. We have people around. We want, we want company. We want people around them, around us. Now, that's built in us. Why? Now, what difference does it make about that in heaven? I want you to watch seven things here real quickly. Heaven is the Christian's home. Now, can you imagine a home where the, the, they live, they won't know each other? I can't imagine that. Just think about it. If you've got a home down here and you've got a family down here and nobody knows one another, that don't make sense. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, Therefore we are always confident in knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, if we're home in the body down here, then one day we're going to be present with the Lord and we'll know each another just like we know our family members down here. Now, these things are required in heaven. Think about it. Heaven is the Father's house. John 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, can you imagine children in a father's house not being able to recognize one another? No. If you're in the father's house, you know one another. And so, our heavenly father is God. And you go into God's house, and you go according to John 14, verse 2, and so that proves to me that my loved ones is going there with me. We're going to recognize it with me. Why? Because it's my father's house. Heaven is spoken of as a family circle. Ephesians 3 verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, what a strange family it would be then if we all didn't know one another and yet we got in a house and wanted to fellowship with one another. Now, every once in a while, like at Easter time and Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have all our kids down at the house. And it's usually, last time we had them, I think it was 42, down to the house. And every one of them is playing with one another's kids. I mean, it's just all of them playing with one another and knowing one another. Can you imagine going to a place called heaven and having a family? I don't know you. How'd you get in here? Amen? No. I don't know them. Everyone is there. Just like I know my heavenly family down here. Because a family is a heavenly family. Heaven is described as a city. Hebrews 11 verse 10. For he looking for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Now, as we, the whole thing here, we're to be, are we to be strangers, one of another, in a city? No, a city is people. And we is in a heavenly city, we'll know one another, we'll fellowship with one another, we'll be with one another. Briefly, heaven is a kingdom. Now the king will be there, that's Jesus Christ, and we shall see and recognize him in his beauty. Listen to what Isaiah 37 verse 17 said. 
Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. We'll see him like he is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Now, if I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to recognize him, it's like a young boy I was witnessing to one day. He said, how do you know there is a God? you ever seen him? No, not down here, but I am one day. Amen? And I, I've tried to imagine what Jesus would look like down here. But i got news for you. When I get to heaven, I will recognize him. And so will every other saper. Now, wait a minute. If I can recognize Jesus when I get to heaven, why shouldn't I be able to recognize my mother and my daddy, grandma, and all my loved ones that's already there? So it only makes sense. We'll recognize them also there. Heaven is spoken of as a better country. Hebrews 11, verse 16. And we'll enjoy better knowledge and deeper fellowship with our Lord and our loved ones in heaven than we do down here. Now, I love people since I got saved. I just really do. I love people. I like to be around people. But before I got saved, I didn't. But since I got saved, I just love people. And I like to fellowship with them. I enjoy these little things we got back in the back of having coffee and cake and listening to everybody talking and carrying on. I get a thrill out of that. And that anywhere I go, I just like to fellowship with other Christians. Well, if that's so down here, why won't that be so up there? Now, the Apostle Paul anticipated it. I want to show you something. Several times Paul said that the joy of heaven will be increased by the presence of many he had led to Christ. In other words, you know what the Scriptures teach? That my joy, my greatest joy in heaven will be those that I've led to Christ, I'm going to see them there. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14. As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul had led people to Christ here, and he's talking about the church here, Christian, as he dealt with. And he said, you're my joy. You're my joy. Well, wait a minute. How could you have somebody as your joy if you didn't even know who they were? You couldn't. And so I know by that that we'll recognize one another. Now let me show you another thing. It, it tells the same thing. Turn over to First Thessalonians a minute. Chapter 2 and verse 19 and verse 20. Verse 19 and verse 20. Well, what is our hope, our joy? our crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as it is at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. Well, how could I have somebody there then that could be my glory and my joy if I couldn't recognize them? Be impossible. So I know by these things that I'm going to recognize my father and my mother and every one of my loved ones is already gone. Let me show you something else. The blessed hope of Christ's return assures it. Now turn to 1 Thessalonians a minute. Uh, chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And listen very carefully now as we begin to read verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, remain in the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I've often said this, and I really mean it. I buried my daddy, my grandma, and grandpa, and mama right up there in the edge of Alabama, little old graveyard way back out there in the country. Wouldn't it be something to be standing there by my grandpa and Jesus come and the body raptured? I mean, the body raised out of the grave and go to be with the Lord, and all of a sudden you saw, felt yourself going up to be with Him. And I look over and I say, Hey, Daddy, good to see you. That's what this is teaching right here in these verses. Amen. You'll see them as we rise up together. Dr. Curtis Hudson said something one time. I laughed. I couldn't he said he was preaching to a bunch of holiness people, and they believe you could lose your salvation. You could be saved and lose it, be saved again and lose it, and so on. And he said, and wouldn't it be something to be beside one of them holding his people and, and uh, all of a sudden they start going up to heaven together and you're going up and he said, I would like to reach over. I told you so. <laughs> That'd be some kind of time, wouldn't it? And I've thought about that a many times. The, we, the recognition of Christ settles it. Now I want you to watch something. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 6. First Corinthians chapter verse and verse 6. After that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in this present, but some are falling asleep. That verse tells me that these people at the rapture of Jesus going, come, uh, raising from the dead, that they recognized him. Now, well, let me show you something. Philippians. Turn over to Philippians just a second. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body, that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now here's what I want to say about these verses. Don't you listen very carefully. I don't know what my glorified body is going to be like. I really don't. I think it's going to be like Adam's before he sinned. I know that Adam was made in the image of God. But after he sinned, and sin came in this world, the Bible from that time on says that man was made in uh, like Adam, not Christ. And so I don't know what kind of body, but I know it's going to be a glorified body. There ain't going to be no pain, no death, and I could go on and on what that body's going to be like. But I do know one thing. It's not going to be a friendly Casper, a friendly ghost flying around on a cloud somewhere. It's going to be something that you can see. It's going to be something that you can touch, can feel, uh, eat, uh, 
And why do I know that? Because Jesus rose from the dead and He called the disciples and sat down and eat fish and honeycomb with them. And there's several things that Jesus did after His resurrection in a glorified body. He could go right through a door and so on, appear and so on. I've always... Wouldn't it be something that I desired to go to Montana and go hunting way up in the mountains and all of a sudden I thought about it and there it was. I don't know. I don't know how, what kind of body it's going to be. But I do know one thing. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to see it as God gave me a greater mind. Right now I have a confined mind. I can't know everything. i got a little infinite mind. God lets me know certain things. But one day the Bible says, I'll know everything, even as He knows. He'll have the wisdom of God in me. And if I have the wisdom of God in me, better than the wisdom of man's little mind, surely then I'll know everybody when I get to heaven. And I look forward to it. And so when I get to heaven, I'm not looking for strangers. I'm looking for my friends. And the first one is the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. But after that, I'm going to fellowship with all my loved ones that's gone there before me, and I'm going to know them. And I have the proofs from the Bible to prove it. Amen? I don't have to take somebody's word for it. I take God's word for it. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, it's good to be saved tonight. It's good to know my loved ones, everyone that's been close to me, Lord, that I've done my best to make sure they're saved. They go into heaven with me. And I pray, dear God, that one of these days we'll rejoice forevermore around your throne with one another. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I've tried, but I do know one thing. It's going to be something better than anything we've got down here. And I'm looking forward greatly. So I ask you, Lord, to give this peace of mind. And I know so many people that have doubts and fears of being separated from their family forever and ever. And Lord, I thank you for that wonderful peace. Bless us tonight as we go out of this place now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Yes, ma'am? Appreciate you. I got some.